Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, the hacker maker, Philip Wiley. In each episode, I have a unique guest sharing their story and tips on how to get started in pen testing or other areas of offensive cybersecurity. I'm very excited today to have Christian Gonzalez on. Christian is one of my former students, a good friend of mine, former coworker. Uh, he was a student in the very first class class I taught and was one of the first students in out of my classes they got a pen testing job he's done a really good job with his you know in his career and has done great you know learning skills and getting certifications and so it's an honor to have you on the show Christian uh, thank you for having me so how is how is the new year treating you so far uh, um, so far uh, it's been good um, as, as you know um, I had a pulmonary hypertension um, about three weeks ago. I was in the hospital for about a week and a half. You know, um, thank God that they found this issue, and I'm actually slowly feeling better, up to speed. You know, um, healthier. Um, I'm off my my asthma pump, so everything is getting a lot better. Looking forward to the rest of the year. Hopefully, no more health issues or speed bumps along the road. So, yeah. Uh, well, sorry about the health issues. Of course, you know, we spoke and I knew about that. So good that that's an improving and just kind of something for all of us to think about. I mean, yours wasn't controllable, but just kind of, you know, a reminder to tell us all that we, you know, we need to take care of ourselves because, you know, health, you know, is it, you know, you, you, you can't, you're not guaranteed good health. So we should do what we can to, to stay healthy. Definitely. I mean, and one of the contributing factors was, not sleeping well and doing too much work, staying up all night, pen testing and stuff. So have to kind of slow it down, you know, um, everything like that. Um, re- reduce my stressors. What That's what the doctor says. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. And in this field, it can be the, the late hours can be kind of tough. I mean, especially in even studying for like certifications and stuff. So I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have experienced that going through the OSCP or something like that. All the hours you have to put in studying because, you know, not all of it can be done at work and a lot of it has to be done after hours. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I honestly told them it wasn't a stressor for me because I actually love learning about pen testing. But he says, you might love it, but your body is running on empty basically all the time. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, the sleep thing for sure. You know, we all need sleep to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So, so why don't you tell our listeners about yourself? Um, oh, obviously, my name is Christian Gonzalez. Um, I've been in IT um, 
for about 12 years now. Um, originally started doing um, help desk. Uh, then I went into Western Governors University, uh, started getting my bachelor's and slowly got, got my A, my A+, plus, my network plus, security plus through um, WGU, which is pretty nifty because I didn't have experience or networking with people at the time. So it was killing basically two birds with one stone. Got certifications and it get, got me my internship to my help desk job. And from there, jumped me up to desktop support to being the assistant manager of that IT department. After being there for three years, I moved up to Dallas, um, started doing sysadmin stuff for about a year and a half, then jumped into um, Inwood National Bank. And that was more vulnerability scanning, um, more SOC analyst type of work. And so from that point on, that's when I started learning about security. And I started noticing that, you know what, this is actually something that I would love to do, you know, uh, from a day to day. I started going into hack this site and uh, hack the box and started practicing building my own labs at home, uh, practicing pen testing. You know, um, I didn't know it was considered pen testing. I thought it was just hacking websites. You know, I learned a little bit of HTML. Um, from that point, I got an, a, a job offer for from IBM, and that was vulnerability scanning and doing some minor um, pen test shadowing from that pen test team. And from that point, I loved it. You know, and I ended up finding um, what's it called the uh, the group Dallas Hacker Association. Uh, but my first day there. I heard about your class that you're having and it was an intro to pen testing with Georgia Wiseman's book. And I honestly, from that point on uh, sitting in your class, it opened up a, a different level of IT security that I never thought I would have. It gave me a, a spark that I had originally from desktop support, but in a different sense where pen testing is different uh, on a day to day. Um, I honestly, from now, it's mostly building up on certifications when it came to OSCP. Um, it was a lot of work. I'd actually thought that I knew a lot that I didn't, but learning from that point, um, it actually humbled me to going back and studying again. Um, after your class, I had to build up on a lot more skills. I didn't much have to learn coding. I learned to read Python and modified code, but I don't believe I actually need to learn how to be a coder to be a pen tester, you know, which is something that I've always had no passion for coding. Um, and at this point, I'm actually trying to do the OSWE, um, which is web application, um, having a little bit struggle with it, but keep on trucking with it coming along just because it has a little bit more coding that I'm not used to. But in a little rough draft, a summary, this is basically my life currently. <laughs> yeah, you did pretty good, too, because, I mean, to be able to get a job, you know, not too long after you were in the class. And I know that, you know, one of the found out about the resource virtual hacking labs from you because you learned about it from someone at Dallas Hackers Association that had recently passed their OSCP certification. So, so, yeah, you got a job pretty 
pretty quick after, you know, actual pen testing, but it's really good that you had the vulnerability scanning experience. So, I mean, I'm sure that had to help a lot in getting other jobs or getting, you know, finally getting your first pen test job. Yeah, but honestly, uh, the vulnerability scanning portion from on my resume was what gave me that opportunity um, to do the consulting on pen testing. Um, that opened the doors for me uh, into pen testing and learning tools on Rapid7, you know, using Nexpos and using Metasploit Pro, um, doing that for with that company for about eight months. I mean, consulting is, is a lot of work. You know, um, if anybody has ever done consulting, you'll understand that it's a night and day gig. You know, you're trying to do a lot of work for this. I mean, I never felt it like it was a lot of work for me because I was learning new tools every day and continuing the learning process and networking with people traveling all over the nation and, by the time that my daughter was born, an opportunity came out to go back to IBM, but this time as a full-time pen tester there. So I completely took the gig, went to IBM, and was com just doing internal pen te network pen testing for them, um, which is great. This is actually what I have a, a passion for, for network pen testing and trying to break in and go into Active Directory and stuff like that. You know. Um, from there joining um, US Bank and from having that interview and know, not knowing that you were gonna be in that interview, which was pretty, it's just such a small world, you know, not honestly, because US Bank is such a big company, I thought it was a different group with a different entity. And then seeing you in that interview, I was like, wow, <laughs> it's such a small <laughs> world, you know, ending up being interviewed by you. Yes, far as from a, a teacher's perspective, it's really pretty cool to see people like yourself that joining the same team. And then when I was at a different company, I had like some other, you know, like uh, Sheila, one of your former classmates, she was actually doing some web app pen testing for a company where I was a red team lead at, as well as uh, another person from our local community. They were both doing web app pen tests for that company. So it's really kind of cool when you see your students involved. So that was, it was cool to get to work with you for a while, but you're really impressed the way that you've progressed and the hard work definitely shows. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's, it's your guidance that's actually helped me. Um, and, and showing me the way of like, Hey, open up a Twitter, you know, and, you'll be able to interact with people right now during during COVID and not being able to go to too many conferences. Interacting on social media just as little as I do has opened up so many doors for me. And I have met a lot of mentors, you know, um, like like your friend Wirefall. You know, I, I know I could shoot him a text or a DM and he's always there to respond, you know, with tips and tricks um, mm -hmm. whenever I get stuck on something. Um, um, Darren... Freddie as well. Um, he's always been so helpful. You know, it's just people that that you have in your in your right hand. You know that that have always been help me helping me on studying tips on what certifications I could take next. Um, teaching me the mentality that it's not just about taking a certification and getting the certification. It's also learning the course material and actually learning something. You know, he's like sometimes you could actually impress someone 
you know, in an interview showing them that, hey, well, I don't have the certification yet, but I actually learned all this material and I could prove it that I actually know this material. You know, so that mentality that all you guys that are veterans to InfoSec and pen testing have shown me has, has been great, honestly. Yeah, one of, the, one of the things you've done that's been good, too, is, you know, mentors are help, helpful and just people that can help in general because, you know, you've got people that are starting out at the same time as you that can be like study buddies. You're sharing things that you learn with each other, but it was smart that you kind of diversified your mentors. So you just didn't depend on one person. You had multiple people to call upon, and that's a good thing because everyone has a different point of view and there's things that you can learn from some person you may not be able to learn from the other. Someone may be stronger in web app pen testing. Another one may be stronger in Active Directory. So it was good that you did that. And the fact that you're leveraging networking, because one of the things I see like on LinkedIn all the time, it's, you know, it can be tough to get into cybersecurity, but the people I see that are succeeding are people like yourself that's networking. You know, uh, if you're connected, you know people in companies, it's going to be easier to get the job than if you just submitted your resume because the odds of the hiring manager getting your resume sometimes are kind of few to none. Oh, definitely. And and that's, that's something that I really opened my eyes because the HR representative from uh, US Bank reached out to me and no and uh, commander working there pulled my resume and that helped me get my foot in the door quicker because I have known commander for years already because of DHA and um, he's actually was, if it wasn't for him, I, I think my resume would have sat, sat there in HR, you know, for months and he pushed through it, you know, recommended me and I was interviewing within a week or two, you know, and, and that's what I try to preach to everybody trying to get into the field is networking helps a hundred percent of the time. You know, you could know everything, but without knowing anybody, it's, it's only going to take you so far. Yeah. And especially when you're just getting started out, because, you know, when you're just getting started out, you're, you know, hopefully, you know, with luck, you've got, re- you've got certifications or something that'll help you get that if you don't have the experience. So the, the networking is very huge because, you know, I've seen, you know, one of your former classmates that's, I'm not going to mention him publicly because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but they've been trying for a long time to find a job and it's just, they're not networking. I'm not, you know, I'd, didn't I may have seen him at Dallas Hackers like once or twice, but that's it. And never really see him out there. And and the people that are networking, you know, a lot of people that were just getting started, you know, in you know the recent in recent years around the time you got started or before that were people that you were seeing at these places all the time. Because I would have people reach out to me saying, Do you have any any people that you recommend for entry-level pen testing jobs. And I would recommend, you know, some people from the class at the time or people I knew that was looking, but then people I knew from DHA because I knew they were volunteering at conferences. They were doing presentations at the different meetups and you could tell that they were pretty sharp and had a desire to learn. So it was easy to, easy to recommend them. So definitely the, the networking thing is, is huge. I mean, I'm just really glad that we, you know, mention that in this episode, because I'm seeing a lot of that, you know, people having a hard time and you just can't emphasize enough that networking helps. Right. Right. And when I, um, volunteered in my first B sites in Dallas, um, I had just moved to Dallas, you know, and I didn't know anybody 
And they recommended from DHA, they told me, hey, well, if you want to uh, meet anybody, network with people, volunteer. It's like, at least you'll get to know all the volunteers and they'll recommend you people and you'll go into all the other meetups. And honestly, from that point on, from having zero friends in Dallas, I ended up growing to having at least 40, 50 different friends and being able to network and reach out to someone, not just IT related issues, but friends that I could actually reach out to and talk to on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, volunteering also helped a lot, you know, um, in, in, in those conferences. Yeah, that's good that you brought up volunteering. It's another another area that that can be very helpful is, you know, get out. I, you know, it's like I've kind of compared it. You know, I've seen, you know, past students or people new to the community that came in that really didn't know that many people. But by the time they volunteered at a conference, you would have thought they'd been in the community for years, that they get to meet so many people. And, and people in the industry have a respect for people volunteering to help put these conferences on and help others. Right. And it's, a, and it's a lot of work. I mean, it goes down in the background that nobody realizes, you know, and that honestly, besides at DAW was my first conference ever, you know, and being able to volunteer, seeing how everything runs in the background that nobody gets to see. Once I started doing conferences, you you appreciate them a lot more, you know, because you know that what goes down in the background and you get to, like you said, talk to people and be more relaxed and appreciate all the volunteers that are doing their work. And sometimes just even step in and try to help them pass food out, you know, for everybody and stuff like that. It's, it's, a, it's a great experience. So we kind of already mentioned here that you got, you have some certifications. So you you have your OSCP. So uh, for learning, have, are there any kind of tips you have for people trying to learn a skill? Because I mean, you know, when it comes to something like the OSCP, you have to have the skills to get through the exam. It's not like memorizing questions and answers like some exams. Um, when it came to the OSCP, um, I honestly, uh, there's a, a bachi um, has like a prep guide that came through and he has new boxes that started on bone hub and they go all the way up to starting with hack the box um, boxes. And he tells you, basically everything that you would need to start and get ready for the OSCP. Um, when I did that, and then I started researching reviews of what people would do for the OSCP beforehand. And I, I opened up cherry tree and I have a lot of notes and links that I could share. If people would, would um, send me a tweet and ask me for them, I could give you a whole page of links that actually started helping me with the OSCP that by the time I reached out and started, I felt like I didn't have any missing pieces of the puzzle. You know, um, the, uh, let me see. Yeah, it's Abachi's guide that actually helped me out a lot. Um, also, I did the CEH, um, the Certified Ethical Hacker, before the OSCP. Um, I realized that by the time I learned everything from CEH, I had learned it from Security Plus. You know, so I could have probably gone around it and gone through something else beforehand. Um, and that's when the networking came back and helped to where I couldn't afford just buying outright OSCP all at once at that time. And I found virtual hacking labs and virtual hacking labs kind of gives you hints on what the vulnerability is and also what to search for. 
And the more you go through those labs, the harder they get, but the less hints you get. So by the time you're at the end and you should know the material, there's no more hints. And at the end of that certification, which is 50 um, machines, you also get a certification. You know, so I think it's a really good source of material that takes you from beginning to end and teaches you a lot by the time you try to attack the OSCP. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned Apache's stuff on the OSCP. I totally forgot about that resource because I guess kind of what happened was that was the go-to resource. And then TJ Knoll came out with his write-up on the OSCP and that's gotten a lot of attention. So I'd actually forgot about that resource. So based on you mentioning Cherry Tree, I, I take it uh, that you're you're really big on on keeping notes. So how is important how important is that to you as a pen tester day to day? Oh, honestly, I mean, if you would see my 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 Cherry Tree uh, database, it's probably over 200 gigs of just notes that I take. Um, it's notes, screenshots, links um, on a day to day basis. When it comes to pen testing, um, I even have just one page of uh, command lines that I do. Um, honestly, when it comes to pen testing, there's so much material and so many commands that I don't expect everybody to memorize it, but at least having everything on a, on a note, you could just go back and copy paste, you know, build up your methodology on what you're going to do step-by-step. Step. It helps out a lot, you know, and instead of you trickling down and uh, tripping over your own footsteps, having your own notes helps so much on you taking three hours on the scan or a pen test when you found that vulnerability and trying to find that resource again to having that note and you just being able to go back, control F, find, type in a, a keyword and being able to have it there right there. And then, you know, um, like, like I said, note taking is priority when it comes to, to pen testing as you have to take notes for all the recon that you're doing um, all the ports and all the material that you're actually getting your hands on. Yeah. It's one of the things that, you, that definitely is good about note taking because you sure definitely don't want to go back and Google how to do something again at pen test after pen test. And there's sometimes you use something you may not, you may not use it again for a year or two. So definitely the notes, note taking is a good thing. Yeah. And, and especially if, like whenever, like, you know, when at work, you have to validate some of the findings and having to, if you don't memorize it and you go back and you just, okay, well, I'm trying to find this SSL nmap command and you have it there. You just put the name, copy and paste, and the results are right there. Instead of having to Google it and it takes you 15 minutes just to find that result when you could have just been a little bit more organized, have all your notes and finish with your pen test a lot quicker. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great advice there. So, uh, so what else is kind of, what else kind of helps you as a pen tester, some other, other tips and tricks that you like to share with our listeners? Uh, what don't, the one thing that helped me a lot when it came to pen testing is building up a methodology. Um, at first, when I learned just going through OSCP or going through Apache stuff, I think is I was just scanning and, well, let me just go down the list on ports and not really knowing what I was doing, trying to find 
low hanging fruit all the time, but not knowing there's a particular way we should find low hanging fruit. You know, so I was just trying to basically grab a machete and try to take down all the high grass. And at the end, I said, well, I didn't find anything. Um, then once I started taking the OSCP and they kept on b talking about methodology and build up your methodology. So I started doing research on GitHub and there's a lot of people that have good methodologies um, that I started you know, modifying to my liking and to what I do specifically. Because I mean, everybody thinks differently, you know, so I like to go into like a top down approach when it comes to my pen testing, you know, so scan, look at the ports, you know, review your resources and stuff like that, you know, and by the time I started doing all that, it actually, I started finding a lot more exploitable machines, you know, because I wasn't just looking for low hanging fruit, you know, but I actually knew what to look for now because I build up that methodology, you know, so I, I believe in being patient, you know, um, building up a methodology. If you find something or if you find something and you think that's it and you're hitting it for 45 minutes and you're going down that rabbit hole, take a break, come back to it, put a note, turn around, try something different because at the end of the day, it could be just a rabbit hole and it's not going to get you anywhere. You know, and, and I learned that the hard way um, when I did my OSCP. Um, it took me three attempts to actually pass it. You know, and I had that problem of, oh, I found something. And I would hit it for six to eight hours, not sleeping. And coming back the next day, and it's like, oh, so it was this port, not that port. And I just wasted my time all day. Um, so... Once I built up that methodology, by the time I, per I think in my point of view, I perfected it um, on my third attempt, I didn't even take the 24 hours to do the exam. It only took me 13 because I knew the process and how to build up. And if something looked, you know, strange and it looked like it was too good to be true, I would leave it to the end because I knew it probably was going to take me to a rabbit hole that I didn't want to go through. And um, so that's that's my belief in and be patient when when you're trying to do something like this and you won't find explodable machines all the time, you know. And that's what somebody has a misperspective of pen testing is that we're hacking and cracking things here and there. Um, especially if you're doing it in a lime environment before you start breaking stuff. I mean, let's get some, just make sure you're not going to take down a bank and they're going to lose money at the end of the day, you know, before you start doing anything crazy. Yeah. So, uh, you've, you've, since you've worked both in consulting and as an internal resource for a company doing pen tests, you could, you kind of describe kind of the differences between the two. Um, yes. Yeah, so when we were doing consulting, um, and we were always had access to a certain amount of time, a certain amount of material, and we couldn't touch anything. We had findings depending on the client. It was a free for all and do as much as you can when you can in that a lot of time frame. And you could, if you take down a service, it was okay they, because they want to see what an actual pen tester would do 
in that time frame, or if they would bring up any alarms for the sock, or they would be able to block us completely from from our pen test. And once we once I started doing pen testing internally, um, it turned completely different because I wasn't used to not being able to do as much as I wanted to on a pen test, you know, and for us here is more of a learning, you know, what, whatever we find, we speak to the team that's managing that application. Hey, well, we found this. And if it's something critical, you, you can stop your pen test and you can let them know while you're going through it. And they might give us a time frame at in the middle of the night when the service isn't running or nobody's on it that we could actually try to run that exploit, you know, um, but working internally, it's a lot more critical not to break something because most of it, at least 90% is always production environment. And we don't want to break anything completely while we're doing anything for an internal. So that's, that's the cleaner aspect of it. I miss sometimes the consulting aspect because like I said, it was a free for all and it was, it felt like if I was the bad guy trying to do something and get away with it and with pen testing internally is more of a trying to teach people that we have all these vulnerabilities and they have to fix it before an actual attacker comes in and breaks in. Very cool. Thanks for, for sharing that. Uh, we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to mention that we haven't talked about or any shout outs or anything you'd like to do? Uh, shout outs. Uh, don't put me on the spot. I'm gonna start getting nervous. <laughs> no, no. Uh, for everyone, like I said, my mentors, you, Darren, the wirefall, uh, my buddy, um, Wetworks, um, all those guys, um, commander that for, thank you for helping me get to this level. You know, um, there's still a lot to learn. That's something that you guys always preach to me. Um, what I do recommend for anybody that's trying to get into the field it's not easy always keep studying security changes on a day-to-day -day basis there's always new zero days that we all have to learn how to patch how to exploit you know, how to pen test so keep on being curious that's what i recommend uh keep on being curious about technology and security always practice you know there's going to be some off times that you're not going to be able to do it I mean, spin up a own, your own VMware lab and learn Active Directory on the side. Something that's going to help you when you're pen testing at home or networking or anything like that is tinkering with stuff is always going to help. So uh, it's not going to come naturally to anybody. Um, so just keep on practicing and don't give up. Yeah, that's some valuable advice. Very good. I think this can be very helpful to to our listeners, I appreciate you joining. It was, it was good talking to you. I'm glad we're going to be able to share your story with uh, with the listeners, and I think it's going to be of great value. So thanks again. Oh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you inviting me over. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for joining, and we'll see you on the next episode. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at 
bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.